0: Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Seven Figure Millennials Podcast, where it is my job to help people like you to prioritize your happiness, health, and relationships while making your biggest entrepreneurial dreams a reality. And if you are listening to my voice right now and it is your very first episode, I want to say welcome. Super excited to have you here. And if you're returning, welcome back. You are absolutely, absolutely, I say this every single week, but you are what makes this show possible, and I appreciate you so much. And today's guest is Emily Melius. Emily is a wife, a mom, and she's passionate about helping people like you to find fulfillment. She's been coaching and consulting for over 14 years, and her unique experience is in uncovering how you naturally operate. She discovered her MO, or modus operandi, Operandi? How do you say that? Op- operandi? <laughs> she discovered it in sixth grade and it transformed her life. No doubt this insight will also be a game changer in your ability to make clear and confident decisions about your future. In this episode, I want you to look out for three specific things as always. Number one, how when Emily was college age, she ended up getting to do some work for Joe Polish and Genius Network and sit in on their $25,000 year mastermind meetings with seven, eight, and nine figure entrepreneurs and how that and her experience of being raised in an entrepreneur. Household shaped her and her career path. Number two, how there are three parts that make up the human mind cognitive, effective, and conative. And while the first two are very well-known, the third, conation, is actually something that isn't as well-known, and it's the hidden key to improving human performance because it looks beyond intelligence and emotions to identify your innate and instinctual approach to taking action. And I say this over and over again on the show, alignment equals velocity. So knowing how you naturally and instinctually take action is massive because if you're not currently working in a way that's in alignment with how you naturally like to take action it's very likely dragging you down so that's thing number two and thing number three how there is only one system out there that can actually measure conation called the colby and how unlike other programs like strings finder myers-briggs where your results can change over time and have only around a 44 percent reliability Colby is one of the only tests that's results very rarely change over time and has a proven reliability of over 90%. So all those you can look forward to in today's episode. And before we kick things off, I wanted to give a pre-show listener shout out, which this week goes to Mac era, Mac era, <laughs> who left a review saying this podcast is useful tips. I can actually implement day to day. Keep it up. So thank you so much, Mac era for leaving that incredible review. And if you are listening to this and you haven't had a chance to leave a review yet, you can go to rate slash seven FM. That's rate slash seven FM. And that's going to pull up a specific link. That's going to give you instructions on how exactly to leave a review. And if you choose to leave a review, it is going to help get more exposure to the show. It's absolutely going to make my day because I read every single review and I might give you a shout out in a future episode. So with all that said, please enjoy this incredible conversation with my friend, Emily Melius. If you had to pick between A, making a ton of money, B, being happy, healthy, and surrounded with people you love, or C, making a meaningful impact on the world, which would you choose? The good news is that today we don't have to choose. So the question is, how can entrepreneurs like you and me, who have a vision for our lives and aren't willing to settle for anything less, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? You and I are on a mission to find out, and we have an incredible journey ahead of us. My name is Brandon Fong, and welcome to the 7 Figure Millennials Podcast. Emily, welcome to the show. Super excited to have you here.
1: I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Yes, of course. So... I just kind of want to say for everybody listening, when when you and I had our first call about a month ago now, I, I don't know about you, but I felt like we kind of instantly clicked and I realized that after going through your content and a little bit of your background. I think that lots of it has to do with the way that we were actually both raised. So this may seem like kind of a strange place to start, but it's going somewhere, I promise. And I'd love to start by talking about your dad. And specifically, one of the first things that we I, I found out about you was that your dad was an original member of Strategic Coach. And for those that are listening right now that don't know Strategic Coach, it's one of the biggest entrepreneurial coaching organizations in the world. They've coached over 20,000 entrepreneurs. So to be kind of early in that is, is you know shows kind of a little bit about who your dad was. So growing up, you saw your dad running this business and actively seeking to improve investing and coaching. And in your own words, I think when we talked, you said that you were indoctrinated, quote unquote, at an early age <laughs> into this world. In a good way. In a good way. Great. Yes, great. Yes. Way, of course. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So I would love for you to start by telling us what was it like growing up with your dad as an entrepreneur and kind of this environment of him constantly pursuing growth and seeking coaching and that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. Oh gosh. I love that question. And I agree with you that that's a lot of why we bonded because, I joke, I had my education and I had my real education and maybe we could debate which was which, but <laughs> I of course, I of course had my education in school, which, which was, was very important. And I learned a lot, went to a great school district, but then I was my dad's sidekick. So I have an older sister and she started gravitated towards my mom. And I, um, the joke is, I thought I was doing my dad a favor because I thought he was going to feel lonely without somebody. Really, I was probably just, you know, always at his feet and tagging along and probably getting in the way. But I felt it was my duty as the youngest child to make sure my dad wasn't lonely. And we bonded over a lot of similar interests and things. And um, he, he loved business, of course. And as you said, he loved personal development. And that became a love of mine. And I specifically remember uh, when my sister went to college, although even before that, she's a a concert-trained violinist, and she, at a very early age, even back to middle school, maybe even earlier, would go away for the summers to music camps. And they weren't close by, so we always had these big family drives. And my mom and sister would go in a car, and my dad and I would go in a car. And then, of course, when my sister got to college, that was in Chicago, that was a 10-hour drive. We did the same thing. But this doesn't feel that long ago, but saying this is going to date me, we had um, cassette tapes and CDs. And uh, that was, I, I still remember this. I bet my dad has this. But that was back when Joe Polish had this the audio, is like, super the, the audio books, exactly. <laughs> and, and they were in this case and it made this like, like this suction <laughs> sound as you open it up. I can just, I can picture it in my mind. And then I think we had some tapes, some CDs for Dan Sullivan. So it was my job to change out the cassette tapes or the CDs when they would end. And I got hours and hours and hours going back and forth to all these different places of this incredible wisdom. Anybody who knows Dan Sullivan and Joe Polish know that they are some of the smartest people in our time and maybe just ever. I think they are brilliant business and marketing thinkers. And of course, Joe was in dance program as well. And the coolest thing was, in addition to just learning all of that, my dad would always turn to me and say, what do you think? And in hindsight, now that I'm a mom, I've got two kids, they're seven and five. I appreciate so much that my dad treated me like an equal, even though I clearly was not, right? My dad, who had tremendous amounts of experience and success as an entrepreneur, coaching other entrepreneurs, he knew so much more than I did. But what I loved, and I hope to, to really emulate in my parenting, is he always gave me a platform and he always gave me confidence in my thoughts, and gave me space to share my own opinion and apply it to my own life and my thoughts on his business. And very, very early on, I mean, we're talking elementary school, middle school. I found my voice. I got to flex those muscles. I got to kind of think like an entrepreneur, even though I was far from being one as of that, as of that time. And it, it, it was game changing. It's changed the course of my life. And it gave me confidence then that I still Rest on today.
0: Yeah, I, man, I, I have little chills right now. Like if you can see, my, I have some, some goosebumps because I had I had very similar experiences and my parents mm-hmm. were always into the self-improvement. We didn't have, we didn't listen to cassette tapes, but like I always saw them learning new things. And my mm-hmm. mom did very similar things to me too, where she would ask what I thought and she would call me her coach. And like you said, I was probably that age too, like elementary or middle school, but she mm-hmm. gave me that confidence to allow me to contribute my thoughts and formulate what mm-hmm. I thought, even though it's the middle school conception. But I think there's so many lessons here for, for anybody. I mean, if you're a parent listening to this, how incredible is this that you can you don't have to view your business as something else? Like the education is something else, that there are ways that you can incorporate your family and learning for your business at the same time and give your kids, like you were talking about earlier, about like which was the real education. Like these are the real world things that they're not teaching in schools these days. And you can leverage it as an opportunity to not only grow, but like give it an opportunity to have powerful conversations with your kids. So Absolutely love that. And then I also wanted to kind of fill in some gaps. If, if anybody listening, I always like to kind of answer in case people don't know. When I mentioned Strategic Coach, the biggest entrepreneurial coaching organization in the world, Dan Sullivan is the founder of Strategic Coach. And Joe Polish is the founder of Genius Network. And Joe and Dan do lots of stuff together. So... Um, I I have another question, but is there anything else you want to add on top of that before I move into the next thing? Because I I think you were kind of nodding and saying some other stuff, but we can go into the next thing if you want.
1: (laughs) I'm just in total agreement with what you're saying and um, couldn't agree more that these are important life lessons that really our kids aren't too young to start. And if you don't know where to start, I think it's just ask them for their opinion, ask them what they think and give them that space. And Uh, you know, that, that opportunity to develop their confidence and know that their opinion, their thoughts really matter.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think there's lots that you can learn too from kids. Like my, my my wife, Leah spends lots of times with kids and it's like, so sometimes I'll get to spend some time with them and it's just like, Man, like when they ask those questions, where they ask like, you know, why why is this this way? Why is this that way? And it, it really just forces you to stop and think what you really know. And like you, it, like if you have to explain something, you have to really explain at a fundamental level without any complexity. So I think there's <laughs> there's lots of practice you can get from just spending time with kids too, and trying to explain things because it challenges your assumptions of what you actually know. And if you can, my mentor, Jules, we always talk about like, can you explain it to a fifth grader? Can you explain it to a five-year-old? Because mm-hmm. if you can't, you're probably not speaking simple enough. So there's another, another thing you can try. So, so we talked a little bit about Dan Sullivan, but another I know um, something, another thing that we kind of bonded over when we first talked is that you were a scribe in the very early Genius Network meetings, right? And so like you, so you were listening to Joe Polish's superstar audio tape of the month club or something I think is what he called it. And so it was like before podcasting, he would release these cassette tapes. Um, and so, you know, you were, you were this cute little elementary school, middle school learning from her dad. And, and eventually you were a little bit older and you got to be inside of these Genius Network meetings with Joe Polish, with the people that he's hanging out with. So we'd love to kind of talk a little bit about what you learned and how you got that position with, you know, kind of being the, a fly on the wall in some of those meetings early on.
1: Well, it's been several years, maybe decades ago at this point that that happened. So my memory is a little fuzzy as to all the the stuff in between. But through my dad and his amazing relationships and his willingness to bring me into those relationships, which is another lesson that I learned from my parents and how I benefited and I I want to pass that along to my kids, is they brought me into adult conversations. They connected me with people who were older than me and put me, you know, brought me to dinners. And um, again, it's kind of that sense of being treated as an equal. And I learned to um, behave amongst adults. I learned to, um, again, respectfully share my opinion, but also be a listener. And it, it made me really comfortable in those settings, which served me well, even to this day. And that was a really great experience that I got from them. And both of my parents did that but through my dad, I met Joe and, and we we had gone out to Arizona where he's located quite a few times. And I think through that somehow, one way or the other, he asked me to do some marketing writing to kind of capture some of the things that were happening in his brand new program at that point, which I think was like the 25K mastermind and uh, and and do some writing around that. And as part of that, I got to sit in and I knew it was awesome then, but I look back and think, did I really, really appreciate how awesome that was. But I did. I, I don't think I ever took it for granted. I just didn't, you know, necessarily have the perspective to know how huge it was. But that was an incredible experience, and something we we haven't talked about yet is through my dad and Joe and Dan, I met Kathy Colby, and that was also huge for me. Uh, To this day, I utilize the Colby concept in the work that I do. I help others discover their innate talents, which of course, Kathy has um, been the leader in the research of that part of our brains and how impactful that is in our work, our lives, our parenting. So Kathy was also a, a, a tremendous voice in my life and in my development as a person and my understanding. I first took the Colby Youth Index when I was in sixth grade. I know you and I share that understanding early on. And truly, these incredible, incredible people and voices in my life early on set the stage for my entire future. And every single day, I still refer back to things that they taught me way back when. And and I still follow all of them and still consume all of their incredible insights about life and work. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just really glad that we can celebrate them in this conversation because they truly are amazing people who have always been generous yeah. with their time, their ideas, their capability. And I, I want to continue to grow into that kind of person too.
0: Yeah. I love that. How, so how old were you when you were kind of doing that writing work for Joe approximately?
1: I can't remember if it was high school or college. I want to say it was college.
0: Okay. Yeah. So just kind of a similar time that I guess, because I was, I was a senior in college when I had to, got to experience some of the genius network level stuff. And like, like for those that aren't familiar, seven, eight, nine figure entrepreneurs, these people that are really mm-hmm. changing the game. So to be a part of that, you know, there was again, something else that we, we immediately kind of bonded over. So you mentioned, you brought up Kathy Colby. And part of the reason why I wanted to bring you on is because we're going to dive deep into the Colby stuff. Um, and and for people that are wondering, like, what foreign word did you just mention? It's K K O L B E. It's not a foreign word. It's a test. And we'll, we'll go into that, I promise. But I kind of wanted to set the stage before we go into the Colby stuff. And I kind of wanted to start with a, a, a simpler question, because one of the reasons why I was so excited to bring you on is because of your unique perspective of helping people that feel unfulfilled create careers that are more fulfilling. And so you kind of are, I mean, in my words, you're kind of a career chiropractor. Like you get people in adjustment, make some Ooh, cracks, and yeah. maybe you can use that in your marketing. But like you you help them get in better alignment. And so I kind of want to start with a fundamental conversation to lay the groundwork for the rest of the Colby conversation. But what do you view as the main difference between success and fulfillment? Because I think this will kind of kick us off on this direction of really making sure that we have all the elements.
1: Fabulous fabulous question and that's a topic i i talk about a lot i actually have a youtube video on this so anybody wants to check that out it's just a couple of minutes but really impactful I, I can't emphasize enough the difference between success and fulfillment and i i think a lot of times we feel lied to i don't think that somebody's intentionally lying to us but for those of you that have had a taste of success, or maybe fully experienced success, you realize how empty it actually is, right? So for me, success is very external. It's the job title, it's the fancy car, it's the nice house, the second home, um, the, you know, the, the, the great pay. Um, all of those things are not bad in and of themselves. And I think they're great to, to pursue or accomplish. So I'm not not taking away from those, but they're not enough. And I have coached at this point, thousands of individuals, and I can get a long line of people assembled who have experienced success and felt really empty at the end of that road and are asking like, is this really all there is? So if success is the thing we pursue I caution folks to really reconsider is that the end goal? Because what I believe is the true end goal is fulfillment. Fulfillment is internal. It's alignment per your word. It's contentment. It's peace, joy, sweet spot, glide pattern. And I'm excited to share that it's not an either or. You don't have to give up success in order to find fulfillment. In fact, I think it's completely opposite. I think it's that many find success on the path to fulfillment. But we have to get the right one in our sights. Fulfillment really needs to be the end goal. Because if success is the end goal, I fear it's not going to be what you think it is. So pursuing fulfillment. Now, um, folks might be saying, okay, Emily, that sounds great and all, but you're throwing around this word. You know, what does that mean? And if that's you, I'm so glad you asked because what I ha- have shared with all of my clients are happy to share today is my fulfillment formula. And it's as simple as, which of course we know simple is not always easy, but it's as simple as align your work and life with these three things. That is your unique skills, what you uniquely know, your unique passions, what fuels you, why you get out of bed in the morning. And then the third piece, which is where Colby comes in, which is your unique talents. How do you naturally get results and take action? And when we are in careers, environments, teams, roles, situations that honor those three things, we are set up for a fulfilling life. When there's a breakdown in one or more of those things, we're going to feel it. That's where stress and tension, frustration, low productivity, and ultimately burnout happens. And we all know what burnout feels like. And it's, it's, not, a, it's not a good feeling. And it's um, certainly not fulfilling. And um, though I think you can be successful and burned out, uh, it's not sustainable over time.
0: Yeah, love that so much. And again, I would just encourage everybody. And you kind of you you mentioned this. It's simple, but it, that doesn't mean it's easy to implement. So so what is the intersection? If you can kind of imagine like a Venn diagram, skills, passions, and talents. And and we're going to talk a lot the, the the area of that circle that we're going to dive into a lot today is that talents component because I think that that's part of the conversation that you really helped bring to the table. But for, before we go into that talent component. I I come across, you talk about this on other podcasts that like society kind of teaches us about the skills and the passions thing. And like, we Mm -hmm. kind of have a backwards way of pursuing them. So would you mind maybe a little talking about like what people are familiar with, like how the current system is educating us on how to pursue skills and passions and what happens if you don't integrate that third component, or if you only pursue one skill, or if you only pursue the passions?
1: Yeah, well, majority doesn't win. This is a three-part formula for a reason, because you have to check all three boxes and like you just said, the really sad thing, and, and I believe why so many people are unfulfilled despite their best efforts is because nobody even told them about the third part, the talent piece, which is actually, if we're going in order, it's really the first part because that's the non-negotiable. Our talents, and what I mean by that is, is again, that natural instinctual way of getting stuff done. We're all born with this instinctual need to do things a certain way. Can we do them a different way? Sure, but we feel the friction in that. So our talents are essentially our frictionless path to a result, but most people don't even know that exists. And so our whole life, we're told, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Or, oh, Brandon, you get A's in math and science. You should go be a doctor. But let's step back a minute, right? The smartest person, is not always the most successful. Passing all the tests, knowing all the information, does not mean that you're going to be successful in the career and definitely not fulfilled in a career. I got A's in calculus. I hate calculus. <laughs> <laughs> I hate calculus. And I joked that I, you know, who uses this in their real life? And then of course I married a guy that uses it every day, but <laughs>
0: there you go.
1: I do not use calculus, but I got A's in calculus. So you know again smarts it, it doesn't it's not a direct line to your fulfilling path now obviously if if you if you don't have expertise in something if you don't have knowledge or skills in something that would be hard but that's the easiest thing to solve for you know a person who's motivated and capable they they can solve for a skills gap but it's you know so ironic and frustrating to me that the first 20 some years of our life is all about the skills piece and we still have this notion that the person with the greatest grades is going to be the most successful in life. It just doesn't work like that. That is not true. But yet we, we've, we've got that in our brains. So we got to be really careful that we don't over project um, that skills piece onto our future. In fact, you probably have talked to a lot of folks, a lot of our mentors, were not the top of the class, but they are extremely successful in life. And then that passions piece As I said a minute ago, you know, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Well, that's only partly true. That's not the whole story. I know a lot of people who got into a career because they were really passionate about something. And because they got in the wrong seat, they got in the wrong job, one that fought their natural talents, they not only lost passion for that career, they became bitter about it. And the other thing is, passions change over time. There's also this notion and I would say pressure, especially for anybody who's younger that's listening, you know what I'm talking about. There's this intense pressure to like find and declare your passion capital P. Well, I want to release the pressure valve on that because you don't have one passion for life. I mean, maybe there's somebody out there and that's okay. I, I find it so freeing to know that I can be passionate about something today and passionate about something different a couple years from now. That's okay. That's normal. That's natural. It doesn't have to be this one singular thing forever. Um, But this, I I still think we have this, again, this sense that I've got to have the thing I've got to find the thing. And it just doesn't work like that. Our brains don't work like that. So it's more about what are you passionate about today and go with that. But passions will get you in the right industry They don't get you in the right job. So a CEO and a CFO are probably equally passionate about business, but those jobs look really, really different, right? They require totally different skills and natural talents. The job of uh, an ER doctor and a psychiatrist, they look really different, although both are probably pretty passionate about medicine and helping people. So passions get you kind of on the bullseye, but they don't get you or they get you on the dartboard rather, but they don't get you into the bullseye. Mm -hmm. So that's where people come to me constantly. And it's like, I got good grades or I passed all the entry exams. I got the licenses and I thought I was really passionate about this work. I was motivated by who I was serving and I hate this or I'm failing or I'm exhausted. What, why is this so clunky? Why is this not working? And it's almost always because no one told them about the talent piece. Mm -hmm. And that is, are you free to pursue those passions And take advantage of those skills in your own way, because unless or until we have that freedom to act naturally, and this is the work of Kathy Colby and now Colby Corp and Dynamind, that helps us understand what that really means for each and every one of us, which is different, which is why one size fits all doesn't work at any age.
0: Yeah. Love that. So I, I want to highlight and just add on top of one component of that. And so you, I think the way you articulated it was beautiful and you're talking a lot about the career, but also I just want to add on the layer as well. This has to do with how you design your business as well, right? Like yes. you can, you can design, you can design the completely wrong business on this, this, you know, uh, Venn diagram that we've been talking about was with skills, passions, and talents. And so, you know, it works in the context of choosing the wrong job and feeling unfulfilled, but also building the wrong business and feeling unfulfilled. And I think that's really important part. And that's something I've been very conscious of as I've uh, you know, left my my position last year is that like, I'm going to build slowly and make sure that I'm fitting these Venn diagrams because you can very easily build a successful business and not have, I've met plenty of people that have built insanely successful businesses and ended up at the end of the roadmap and been like, well, I hate this. I hate who I'm serving. Mm-hmm. And I, I like no longer am passionate about this. So I just want to add that as well. I was thinking about this from that perspective of the skills, passions, and talents as you design your business model, because like, this is like, really, really important. And the other thing I want to talk about, and then we'll dive into the Colby specific, this actually does dive into the Colby component, but I think the word, the word talents is almost like a difficult word to use. Cause when I think of talent, I think of talent show. I think of somebody that is tossing a yo-yo or juggling <laughs> and like doing these kinds of yeah. things, but that's not what we're talking about. It is how you do them. And what Colby does is it and you I'm going to have you explain Colby, but from my understanding, mm-hmm. the way I articulated it is that it helps you determine your preferred way of taking action, like how you will go about solving a problem. And so, um, I would love for you to kind of unpack and maybe explain what, in your words, what Colby does and what the test gives you, and also maybe give a little bit more context behind the word talent in relation to Colby, so that it's not um, you know mixed up with like people saying, oh, they're talented, they're good at football, you know, but that's different than what we're talking about with Colby.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you used a word preferred what they prefer to do. And it's not even that. Mm. That's part of the affective part of the mind, which is our feelings, our emotions. So every other assessment out there, and there's over 800 of them. So there's enough to make your head spin, right? But there's over 800 assessments and all but the Colby assessments measure some aspect of your personality or your intelligence. And that personality camp, that's preferences, likes, dislikes, social styles, extrovert, introvert, type A, type B, right? And it's really, really important that everybody understand that that part of us changes. It isn't fixed throughout our lives. So that means all of those tests that measure that aspect of ourselves have expiration dates. And that doesn't mean they're bad. That doesn't mean that part of us is bad, though. I do believe that there are better tests than others. It is important to know that all those other ones expire. And that means our decision-making around that piece of insight also expires. So if you're making career decisions based off of a disc assessment that you took 15 years ago, I'd encourage you to retake that. (laughs) You know, they're, it, and strengths finders, it expires after two months, disc about a year. And I, I think that's pretty new to folks. I see a lot of people, again, I'm totally well intentioned, but they're walking around and still identifying themselves as something that they've used a long time ago. And that's kind of similar to, you know, at Pittsburgh is where I live, and the weather is drastically different from day to day. And sometimes we have 30, 40 degree swings in 24 hours. It's crazy. So, I wake up in the morning and I choose what to wear based off of today's weather forecast, right? If I chose what to wear today based off of a weather forecast two years ago, it could be wildly different. That'd be silly. That doesn't make any sense because the weather forecast expires every 24 hours because the weather is constantly changing. So it limits how far into the future I can predict or I can make decisions. So I really want to caution everybody to to be mindful of that because I, I see a lot of my colleagues, I see a lot of fellow coaches, I see a lot of professionals, business owners that are taking this insight that's in the personality camp, that's in the emotions preferences camp and projecting it way far into the future, which can actually damage folks, right? It can, it can actually be dangerous if we misuse the tool in that way. Yeah, um, but
0: I was gonna. I was so so. If, is the best way to so I I said your preferred way of taking mm-hmm. action, and you corrected that. And so is is mm-hmm. the better way to say it. It's like your instinctual, innate way of taking action. Is that that you that's the better it. way of saying it? Cool. That's the so, better. And, uh, think
1: of I, think of it as a need because actually, there's a lot of times I want to do it a different way, but I need to do it a certain way. So just a quick mm-hmm. example, Um, I prefer to be organized. I want to be organized. I like to be organized, but I don't always operate in an organized way. Mm. And our instincts will win out. Our instincts need freedom. And anybody who's been in a situation where they valued one thing and and needed something else, you you know that that that's a tough spot to be in. But when we don't trust our gut, we pay the price. And there's no one one right way. But, you know, oftentimes we value something or want to be something. And and that kind of can create some some tension there. But you're absolutely right. It is a need.
0: Yeah. And uh, another two things to add on top of this is the fact that I, I came across this in one of the YouTube videos that you posted, I believe, is that. Even for Disk, for Finder, like they even say in the, and again, not that these are bad, these tests have helped me. Like they, they can, they can mm-hmm. absolutely give you a glimpse as to like who you are, but they actually say that you're not supposed to make hiring decisions based off of them. So, like, that's also like indicative of the longevity of these things is like, you know, it, it can almost be discriminatory if you're selecting someone based on something and it's something that's going to change. So, I just wanted to add that. The other thing I wanted to ask mm-hmm. you, just to, to add to it before we dive into more of the components of Kobe, is is the longevity of it. And I know that, that that's a very important part is the fact that, that Colby is one of the only longitudinally, I don't know, is that the right word? Longitudinally proven, reliable. <laughs> proven yeah. reliable. Right. yeah. So can you maybe mm-hmm. touch a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So it, I'm, I'm glad you are talking about this. Cause I, I, I don't want to get super nerdy here, but again, the, the, timeframe of your decisions match, match the time frame of your tool. And especially if you're a business owner, you're looking for the greatest return on investment, right? So if I give you a piece of information that you have about your employees, yourself for their entire tenure with your company, would you prefer that over a piece of information that matters for the next three months? Right. You know, are you willing to retest all of your employees every three months and make completely different decisions, including what role they're in on the team? No, nobody does that. Right. But that's actually how most of the personality type instruments are supposed to be used. So just, uh, you know, and I'm happy to help anybody if somebody's like, ah, I don't I don't get this stuff. You know, we look under the hood of assessments for our clients all the time. So if you want a little bit of help in terms of like, hey, is this is this accomplishing what we're looking to accomplish here with this? Then, then feel free to give me a shout out and we'll talk. Um, but yeah, what's what's remarkable about Colby and makes me feel really good about using it in the conversations I'm having, in the advice that I'm giving, because people don't come to me for decisions about next week or next month. People come to me about decisions about their life, their business, their career, their kids, their family. I mean, these are long-term stuff. And uh, Colby, which, you know, there's no one silver bullet. There's no one magic formula. But for me, Colby's the go-to because the Colby index is the only thing in its category, the only thing that measures something called conation or the conative part of the mind. It's not affect that we talked about. It's not uh, cognition or intelligence. It truly is in a league of its own. And because our conative instincts, these, these gut level visceral needs to act in a certain way, get results in a certain way, because those never change. Your Colby index result never changes. So it's a result for life. And I can get geeky and we can talk about the specifics around that. But Colby blows other assessments out of the water. I'm talking by like decades in terms of the stats around that reliability of results over time. So I love it because I feel really good about giving somebody advice over the next 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years, because I know this is still going to be right. And for you business owners, this is your non-negotiable. This is your stake in the ground because you're not going to change this about you. So you need to make sure that you understand that. Where do you belong in your own business and build something around that rather than trying to force. Fit yourself into maybe something you value, or feel you're expected to be, or could or should be. That's a dangerous road to walk down because you might get success, but like we started this conversation, it's not going to be fulfilling in the end, and you will burn out, and you will throw up your hands one day. Uh, and I don't want to see that happen to anybody because it just it's not necessary. If we have this insight, if we know those three parts and we make decisions every day to get us closer and closer to the skills, passions, and talents, we, we can make it happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just to kind of put a bow on top of everything you just talked about there that that we, you know, this, like, this goes way back to like philosophers like Plato and stuff like that. But like we've since identified that mm-hmm. there's three, Parts to this human mind, and that's exactly what she was just talking about. Is there's the cognitive, your intelligence, right, the IQ, mm-hmm. and that changes the affective, which is the emotion, and this is the part that Colby brings to the table that nobody pays attention to, and that's the conative component, which mm-hmm. is, um, you know, the the part that we're going to talk a little bit more about with Colby. Mm-hmm. But I I, I just want to say too, before we go into the the Colby specific stuff, that this is not like a huge sales pitch for Colby. It's absolutely impacted mm-hmm. my life. I would highly recommend anybody to go check it out. The test is like 55 dollars or something like that. I'm sure we'll have the, the link in the show notes. But if you do want to find out your instinctual way of taking action, that part of you that isn't going to change, that you can leverage and then leverage to build uh, you know, your business, or if you're if you're somebody that is more of an entrepreneur or building something different, that you know you can you can create better decisions once you understand the cognitive component of your brain. And uh, for $55, that that's really you know a, a powerful thing. So I would highly recommend that. That'll be in the show notes. We've talked about the l- longevity. So um, I was hoping to and I know this can easily get super complicated complicated. And if somebody's like, I, I don't want to listen about Kobe, maybe they're already gone, which is fine. So we'll just hang out with the people that are hanging with us now. But without getting too much in the weeds, what Colby looks like is it spits out a series of four numbers for you. And these four numbers represent, you know, your action modes. And so um, that, that is the result that you're going to get is a series of four numbers. So I was hoping for us to maybe really high level, Emily, share what mm-hmm. these four numbers represent in the action modes. And then we can maybe dive into some examples so people can better understand them.
1: Yeah so I like to talk about it as like your heat map of effort distribution. You know if you've ever seen a heat map right there's where there's concentration of heat it's it's blazing red and then when it's diffused it's blue colors or other colors right so you can see where there's intensity and when there's less intensity. Um, Another way to think about your, your Colby result, which they refer to it as your MO, your mode of operation, which comes from the Latin modus operandi, and it's your pattern of problem solving. So For any human being to go from rest to purposeful action, the first thing that has to happen is we have to be motivated. That that plays into the passions piece. If you don't care, you're not going to put your efforts in. So that's really the spark that starts the fire. Then once we care about something, we put our efforts into it, right? We have to take action. There's plenty of things that i wanted to do, but I never acted on and they never got done. So again, to get to that place of purposeful action, we can't just want it. We have to do it. And your MO, what Colby measures, determines your pattern of doing, which is different. Um, Each, for the most part, each person's MO is shared by only 5% of the population. So I think that's so cool. But it's really our signature. Um, And I, I remember, you know, when I think back to grade school and, you know, a teacher, I might have forgotten to put my name on the test or something. And the teacher still said, oh, Emily, I still knew this one's you right? It's, 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 your handwriting or it's the way you talk. It's your signature. Right. And we all move through life with this signature. Like I'm sure Brandon, many people could say, Oh, that was, I can tell that's Brandon. I see Brandon all over it. Right. It's just your way. And so we can kind of think about it like that. Um, again, it's a need, it's not a choice. It's an instinct. It's not something we're taught. It, it just is. I mean, we observe MOs in, in toddlers and in infants. So We are truly born with this, and it's the one thing in our our lives or one of the few things in our lives that we really never change. I find that tremendously comforting because I don't have to change it. It's perfect right out of the gates, but what I need to do is lean into it, not fight it. So as you said, there's these four what they call action modes, and um, it's all about how we take action. There's no right or wrong. There are high numbers and low numbers, but it's not like a high numbers a strength and a low number is a weakness. It's not like that. It's all good. They just represent different things. There's a big red category. It's called Fact Finder, and it's how each and every person gathers and shares information. Some are detailed. You can probably hear in me that that's that's where I land. Some are high-level simplifiers, bottom-liners, cut to the chase, and then there's some in between. There's a blue category called Follow-Through. And that determines how systematic and procedural a person is. Do they need a plan to act, or do they act without a plan, or somewhere in between? Then there's a green line, which I know is a big one for you, Brandon. And actually, I've got a I got a lot of green line too, which is called Quick Start. And actually, per the name, I, I find that this one can actually be misunderstood a lot. Um, it really doesn't. It doesn't refer to the speed at which you. Take action. Um, it's it's more about how comfortable you are with risk, how much variety and experimentation and innovation you need in your life or not. So we've got the innovators. We've got the jump in and figure it out as you go along, folks. And then we've got the stabilizers. Like, hey, don't don't fix what is what isn't broken. You know, stick with stick with what's going well. And then the last category, which I also find there's some confusion around, and Kathy has considered changing the name she may at some point. It's called implementer. It's yellow. And that has to do with how physical you are, how hands-on you are. And I mean, literally hands-on in the problem-solving process. So I've had folks confuse that with the verb, like I implemented a task, I executed a task. So so they'll um, maybe have long blue follow through lines and and they'll be very administrative type people. And they'll say, well, why do I have a two and implementer? I I get everything done, but it's not that implementer in Colby speak is more like a physical noun. So I had a a sixth grade teacher that called a a pen, a writing implement, and that always sticks in my mind for some reason. So she was calling it's a noun, it's a tool. So think about implementer and, and the Colby framework as a tool. Do you use tools to get stuff done or in contrast, what I do is I use my mind. I don't grab for physical objects, equipment, technology, in a really physical sense. I don't build models. I don't construct. I don't I don't work with heavy equipment or machinery. I imagine in my mind, I picture how solutions will come to be. Um, and and I, I pay somebody else to assemble the IKEA furniture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so hopefully that's a, and of course, again, yeah. there's always a Goldilocks, something in between. Um, And knowing that pattern, knowing your heat map will save you tremendous amounts of stress in your life. And it'll also just clear the path, um, clear the friction. So your productivity um, and your satisfaction along the way can just exponentially increase.
0: Yeah. Love that. So, so I was hoping uh, it's totally up to you. So what I would love to do is I'd love to run people through some examples. So they can kind of see mm-hmm. like, okay, now I kind of get these things, but would you be okay with dissecting my Colby score? Cause people know me listening to yeah. this a little bit. So like we can kind of show how it works. So my Colby score is a five, four, eight, three, so five fact finder four follow through. Mm-hmm. Eight Quick Start and three Implementer. So when the first time I talked to Emily, she just kind of like read my mind, and I was blown away. But I'd love for you to kind of maybe share a little bit of like, okay, now I have this result. You know, you can kind of picture if you're listening to this. You have this series of numbers. What does this mean? And then there's one other example I'd like to run through after that, so we can get uh, a, a different idea. But what does five four eight three mean? What what is what is that five percent of the population like?
1: <laughs> for sure, yeah. So first off, we call you an Innovator, and that's not a job title, but I know some people respond to more of a word, whereas others respond to the numbers. But sometimes, you know, those numbers can feel a little impersonal. So you're an innovator. And I don't think that's a surprise to anybody listening, <laughs> right? Anybody who knows you, you're absolutely innovative. So let's start with that long, high number, your you're eight, because that's where you start the problem solving process. So not everybody starts there, but you do. That's your first domino to fall. So the way that our instincts work is it really is like dominoes. If for you, for example, if you don't satisfy your need for um, experimentation, sharing your thoughts out loud, trying stuff out, sort of poking it to see what happens, if you're not allowed to do that, then you're going to shut down right there. None of your other dominoes will fall. You're not going to do any research. You're not going to create a plan around it. You're not going to imagine what could be, because you've got to satisfy each in order. So I want to be really clear on that, because someone like me, I'm an investigator, I need proof. I need facts. I need information. And then I experiment with them, but I don't even get to the idea stage. If I don't have proof that it's, it's legit. Right. So
0: meaning that just to say, meaning that you're high on fact finder, right? So what is your, yes, fact finder yes. Yes. So
1: I, my four digit MO is eight, five, seven, one. So you're an eight in, in, um, quick start. I'm a seven. We're not far off, but you start there. I start somewhere else. And if I don't hmm. satisfy my need for detail, then I never make it to quick start. I shut down right there. I, it's not working for me. So I want to make sure everybody's clear on that that there again it's a, it's sort of an order of operations for each of us. But you, you can't jumble the order. It just doesn't work. But your first order of business is for those ideas. I mean, you probably have a million ideas in a day, and because of that four follow through, we know they don't all happen, and that's okay. <laughs> uh, Ask and they wife. change, a lot. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. And um, a joke that we have in our family because my dad has um, a very similar, if not, he might actually have an identical mo to you. And the joke that I always had with my dad was a three day rule that um, you know quietly, of course, but I wouldn't really um, put stock <laughs> in an idea until it's stuck for this is at least going. three days. Any, any,
0: any, <laughs> I didn't even finish it. As as soon as you said three-day rule, I understood what it meant because yeah, sometimes they're they're short-lived. But like okay yeah. so so you start with the highest number that's the that's something I actually didn't even realize is like that's your yeah. prefer, that's where you start. So like just to kind yep. of summarize what we've already talked about if mm-hmm. I'm 5483 my first instinct with a problem presented to me is like okay let's figure out how we can innovate what are the different ideas that we can do it and let's start testing mm-hmm. them. So like that's the mm-hmm. way that I would approach a problem. But Emily she's an 8571 she starts with doing the research first. Like she would start diving deep into understanding um you know the different you know things that have already been done before and figuring out how she can assemble a plan of action based on what's already existent. So that's kind of what we've covered so far. So if you want to add that. Yep. that.
1: And you're wonderfully, beautifully exemplifying your five in fact finder, which is to explain, you're distilling down <laughs> the most important parts, right? I'm going deep and, and you keep kind of bringing it up for air, which is great without glossing over the details, of course, and not going so high level. But, um, but yeah, you, you um, you wonderfully not only have ideas, but you also think of how can we do this like nobody's ever done it before, right? You respond to competition. You respond to go big or go home. Um, you know, it, for you, it's it's really leaning into risk. Now, that doesn't mean you're wild and crazy or um, uh, uh, irresponsible, right? This is where people who don't know that conation is a thing, which sadly is a lot of people, they unfortunately and sadly attribute a lot of our great cognitive talents to something that's affective or personality or emotional based so especially when there's conflict so somebody who's maybe a stabilizer who has opposite talents as you when it comes to taking risk might say oh that Brandon guy he's so reckless or oh, he's such a quitter he never finishes anything he just starts a bazillion things that's not right. Right. That's not, that's not, that's an unfair um, as well-intentioned or, you know, I'm not going to speak to the, to the motive behind that person, but that's not fair because that's not actually necessarily what's happening. It's just that need for variety and boredom is your greatest enemy. Right. So you're going to, you're going to always keep things interesting. Once you've done that, then you hop over to that fact finder piece, which for you is getting just the right amount of information, not too much not too little, just right. I call this the Goldilocks zone because it's just right. So um, when you're doing something new, in particular, you're going to spend some more di- time diving into it because you don't have a lot of past experience. You know, you don't you don't have a lot of handle on it. But you you get what you need and you stop. You don't you don't have to be the expert. You don't have to know everything to the nth degree. You don't have to carry the numbers out to the 10th decimal point, right? So it's a very practical method of information information gathering that you have because it's like, I get what I need when I need it and I move on. And I envy you on that because I would, again, talking about difference between wants and values and what we do instinctually, there are days that I would love for that to be the case, but I know I need deep and that's how I work best. But once you get just the right of informa- amount of information, Then you roll over into that follow-through piece, which is, okay, I need a plan. Now, your plans aren't going to be rigid. We know because your ideas change all the time. They're going to stay flexible. But you need some sort of underlying construct, some overarching structure. Because if everything was chaos to you, if everybody was doing their own thing, there's no plan whatsoever, that'd stress you out. But if you had to work um, for the DMV or if you (laughs) had to... um, you know, be in charge of a lot of paperwork or forms or process, um, you would pull all your hair out, right? So, uh, onerous or for you, what would feel like rigid structure is, is just as overwhelming and stressful as, as total chaos. So it's that happy medium, it's that Goldilocks mode. And really what it comes down to is the longer something goes, the, the more you lose steam right? So you have big hits of energy at the beginning of something. And then the longer something lives on, the the more important it is for you as an entrepreneur to pass that thing off, right? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people get confused between strategizing um, and a, a process and implementing a process, right? So you can think about how a process should be, but not be the person to be in charge of it. So that's really important for you too. But just remembering like, you know get that get that loose structure and and make make organization and structure very simple for you. Mm-hmm. If it's 10 steps deep that's going to be hard for you to follow. 2 steps, okay, you can do that, right? So, filing, if you, you just have two color-coded files on your desk, that's a lot easier for you to, you know, maybe like an inbox and an outbox. That's a lot easier than if you have, you know, this really deep, sophisticated file drawer system next to you, you're probably gonna be less inclined to use something like that. And then all the while you are drawing on that amazing ability you have to picture the end. You see the future, first of all, but you see the end result in your mind as real as though you could reach out and touch and taste and feel it, right? You have the ability to uh, visualize in your mind as though it's reality, um, what you will avoid doing probably like the plague is building it, putting it together. So you might know exactly what you want your marketing banner to look like, but it's best for you to go find that amazing graphics designer that you can share your ideas with. You can talk it out because for you, you think out loud, so it's always important that you you talk things out. Share those ideas with that person, and then they can make it a reality. Right? They can. They can translate those ideas into the physical world. Um, you know, have somebody else change the oil in your car. And I'm not saying you're not capable of any of these things. And obviously, I'm I'm pushing the boundaries a little bit here on some of these gender stereotypes. Um, because we, of course, think, oh, men are handy and women aren't. And that's absolutely dispelled. That's not true mm-hmm. at all. Um, we know women are just as handy as men or just as conceptual as men. That's equally distributed amongst genders and there's no um, sort of disproportion there. But um, yeah, so, so that's your pattern and it's kind of like a rinse and repeat for you. Or if at any point one of those things breaks down, it stops. Your creative process stops and you don't get to that purposeful result.
0: Okay. I love that. Thank you so much. And like, I mean, I, like, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is resonating with me so much. No shit. This is how things need to be done. But <laughs> I, I guarantee everybody listening to this, they're probably like, Brandon, you're a lunatic. That's not how it's supposed to be done. Cause your score is obviously different. And so yeah. uh, I'm going to, I'm going to attempt at something here. And so like, I pulled up okay. my other friend, I have a friend, Dimitris. And uh, okay. his Colby score is nine, six, three, two. So I'm going to, I'm going to, you can coach me on this, but like, so if I'm working with Demetrius, I need to understand mm. the dynamics between how I work and how Demetrius prefers to work. So because Demetrius is a nine, that means he's a nine on fact finder, meaning that he needs mm-hmm. even more information than Emily. So he goes mm-hmm. super, super deep, needs to start with researching. And then since his next number is a six, that's a six on follow through. That means that he needs to start with designing a system. Is that kind of the next thing is like he goes from fact finding to designing a system? Or did I you're kind of going back and forth. So what, is that? Yeah. what does that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So uh, I'll spare I'll spare all the nuances. And this is, you know. After- yeah, sure. 14, 15 years of living and breathing these concepts. So um, I'll try not to live in the deep. But yeah, you're basically right. So he his nine is pretty far out there. So he definitely is going to need the proof. He's going to need, um, you know, he derives confidence from being an expert on something from really knowing, I'm sure anything that he cares a lot about, he knows a lot about it. And yep. um, you know, and, and it's probably great at writing, kind of building the case for things, definitely relies on past experience, what's worked well for him before, case studies, history, stuff like that. But yeah, once he gathers all the facts, then he moves to organizing it into a type of structure. And he probably might even research a really great structure, <laughs> right? Sure. So he, he'll he research something that works and apply it. Um, he's in the sixth. So he's kind of like, he's not quite in what we call that initiating zone, Um so a seven, eight, nine, ten in follow-through would would really be that creator of order. So he's in the six. So I see him definitely needing order and structure, but likely relying on something again that's worked well for him, or he's researched and found, you know, is proven to be a great system. But he does need that order. We call him a strategic planner. So there's that strategy, practicality, um, you know, what makes sense, priorities. And then how can we fill that information into a plan or a structure or order? And he's a risk mitigator. So all the while he's thinking of, you know, how can we make this a sure thing? How can we avoid taking bets that we can't win? Um, You know, how can we make sure that um, this is a success? And in his, in his world, a success is let's let's rip out all the unnecessary risks. (laughs) <laughs> now I see a lot of times that they're unfairly treated. Um, they're the folks with that wonderful, marvelous stabilizing talent. Those that have a one, two, and three quick start. I see all the time they're referred to as negative Nellies and Debbie Downers, right? Poor, poor Nellie and Debbie. But um, those are those are personality terms. Those are affective terms. We're calling somebody negative or a downer. That has no correlation. There is zero zero correlation. Between your wonderful MO, your talents for getting stuff done, and your personality type, or how negative or positive you are. So that's an unfair thing. But what is happening is their instincts, when they're engaged, when they care about the outcome, is to point out everything that's going to go wrong. Mm -hmm. Not because they're negative, but because they're actually trying to be positive. Because they want to see it successful, so that's a little um, frustration point for me. Because I do see a lot of misunderstanding, especially between the eights and Quick Start and the threes. Yeah. It's like, why can't you just go along? Why can't you just, you know, go outside your comfort zone a little bit? You know, sometimes we, I'm in that camp too, can can kind of catch ourselves in that. But instead, um, I know with my husband, I'm I'm a seven Quick Start, he's a one. Mm-hmm. Um, I have come to so appreciate him, and I'll invite him to poke holes in my ideas. It's like, hey, sweetie, you know, I'm I'm thinking of this, what could go wrong? And I, I start to really um, appreciate and love that risk mitigation because my brain is thinking of all the things that's going to go swimmingly well, right? I'm thinking, oh, we can do this. We could do that. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be awesome. And he really helps me from... You know, jumping off the cliff and cliff and getting myself in trouble, and then um, you and your friends certainly come together in imagining and picturing the future. Um, but there's something in in Colby Colby speak Colby concept world that um, it's a it's our golden rule and it's the rule of four. So a difference of four or more equals conflict. Now, when I say conflict, I don't mind, I don't mean personality conflict. So you can still be the very best of friends, which it sounds like you're wonderful friends. And that's great. Obviously, I'm married to somebody who I'm in cognitive conflict with. Um, what that means is just those are times to work independently. And you know, I think as a culture and even like I've been reading a lot of stuff in in the business world and HBR and stuff in the last several years and there's this big promotion of collaboration. You know, we have workplaces where we took away all the walls so we can collaborate hundred percent of the time. That doesn't work. It really doesn't. I mean, collaboration has its place, but not everybody's meant to collaborate all the time. And as much as I love folks who come at it and we we actually need people to problem solve differently, to actually create synergy, um, you know, it doesn't mean 100% of the time we are working, you know, side by side. And I find it helpful and kind of relieving to say, hey, you do this a different way. So why don't we agree on the result, agree on our motivation to get this thing done. And maybe for this part, we we do our own thing. And then we come back together and where, where it makes sense to come together or report our progress. But we we don't always have to sort of force fit ourselves into a role or ourselves with each other, right? And yeah. and giving ourselves that freedom and independence when it makes most sense, which is easier said than done, of course. But um, you and your friend certainly have really, really important talents and perspectives to lend. It's just a matter of how do you get that rhythm down to, between the two of you.
0: Yeah, and there was a reason. Hopefully, this was this made sense for everyone. The reason why I wanted a second profile is so that you can not only so that you listening can begin to understand what somebody else's profile means and what how you can see that, but also like. Dim and I work really well together. I'll make sure to send this episode to Dim if, if you're not already <laughs> listening, Dim. But like, but like, it is funny because it's like I am really quick to start something, and then Dim is always looking at the multiple use cases, like what could go wrong here, and like, here are the different things. And so, like, by understanding that people have a natural way of doing things, that's for them, you can leverage that. But if you didn't understand, if you didn't have that awareness, it makes it kind of hard. So hopefully, that was that was made sense as to why I wanted to go through those, those examples there. So the, the last kind of, I know we're kind of running up on time, and then uh, we're gonna. Stop and take a break and record on Emily's podcast. So if you want to yeah. go and listen, listen to me on on, yeah. on hers. I get to, I get to spend a lot of time with Emily today, which is awesome. Um, but yeah. like, hopefully, it's the Emily hopefully,
1: Brandon Day.
0: It's the <laughs> Emily Brandon Day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mark but, your so, calendars. <laughs> yeah. So the last the last thing I want to do is kind of jump backwards into the conversation and go back to your success formula because you talked about before mm-hmm. of. The, it's the talents, skills, and passions, and that is actually the order you should go in is starting with the talent. So, so now that we understand what Colby is, and we've got, gone through different scenarios with the numbers, now, okay, I'm somebody I hasn't taken Kobe before. I just take it. My numbers are spit out. I have this string of numbers. I listen to Emily and Brandon jam for a little bit, so I kind of understand how this, how this works. How do I start to construct my career, my business around this, understanding it that it's the kind of the fundamental piece that needs to be understood first?
1: Yeah, well, right away, especially if you take in the Colby assessment and you're asking those questions, go to my website. It's my name, Emily and you'll see all That's over. That's M E L
0: M E L I O U S. Just because I I kept yep. writing typos there, so M E L I O U S.
1: I know it's a toughie. My maiden name is Maine, and that was a whole lot easier. But I got a really good man out of the deal, so I'll take the last name. But yeah, Emily Melius, and you'll see all over the place. Uh, access a training. And you'll see my three minute video on the fulfillment formula that we talked about here. So you'll get that overviewed, but you also get two bonus worksheets there. And that's going to help you with that next step. Those questions that you're asking, okay, like, how do I apply this? How, how do I take all these awesome concepts, but bring it to me personally. So do that. Cause that's going to get you a thousand feet down the road. But all that being said, I want you to take out a piece of paper and I want you to take out a pencil and I want you to just brainstorm and reflect on what is my how? Okay. I've got this insight from the Colby index. It's giving me a lot of language now that I didn't have before to describe how I naturally get results, but what words are popping up for you? And if you haven't taken the Colby assessment yet, think back to a time when you were on your A game you know, and how did you operate? And I'm not talking about what you wanted or, or what you were taught, but what specific actions did you take? Did you research? Did you plan? Did you experiment? Did you build, right? These are things that you do. So jot down all those words and, and then draw a line, right? So that's your how category, that's your talents. And now I want you to brainstorm your why, right? So Simon Sinek has got us all thinking about our why and for a good reason, because as I said earlier in this conversation, if you don't care, if you're not motivated, nothing. Nothing else flows downstream you know, from that. So we need to know and tap into like, why do we get up? Why do we care? What prompts us to put in our best efforts? Like if you never, ever needed another paycheck in your life, what would you do all day? And that's, I think, a great question to ask yourself and get to the answer of what you're truly passionate about. So jot down all those things. And then that's your passions. That's your why category. Draw a line.
0: Understanding that that can change just based on our conversation before that. (laughs) Exactly. I
1: love that. Yeah. So don't worry about your passions forever, your passions for life. Just what are your passions right now? I mean, I have I joke that if we all chose our careers when we were five years old, we'd have more ballerinas and firefighters in the world, right? And that was perfect then, but it's different. So yes, take the pressure off. It can change. And now the third category, which is, what do you know better than almost anybody else? Right? What do you have a lot of experience with? What do you have a lot of training in? What could you talk about for days? Um, And that's going to be your what category, your skills, Right? What do you have degrees in? What have you taken classes on? You know, again, what do you what do you know a, a bunch about? And after you've written all those notes down, step back. And now you're gonna have these three amazing columns of descriptors about you. And then you've mentioned Venn diagram multiple times throughout this conversation. Now I want you to look at all three columns together and say, what careers, if that's where you are in your in your journey, or what specific roles, or what specific um, tasks on the team, match all three of these? Or if you're a business owner, where in the business do I get to leverage all three of these things? And you might even want to start grabbing, you know, this one, this one, this one, and and, and combo those three things together, or this one, this one, this one. But most people, again, the reason why this is so hard for so many is when they don't even know that the how exists, the talent piece exists. And, and once they know it exists, they don't even know, they don't even have language for it. They don't have words for it. They don't have it measured. So the good news is everybody listening, you are already, I mean, way ahead of the game, right? You huh. now know you everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. But you now know everything you need to know, right? We took the blindfold off. You can see it all. And you have all the pieces you need to the puzzle. So it's just about taking, and I'm talking like 10 minutes, 15 minutes to sit down and do this reflection exercise. And trust me, I'm not speaking about this in hypothetical terms. I've done this exercise for myself. I've done it for hundreds, probably thousands of my clients. And it might sound simple as we we talk about it now, but it will be life-changing, game-changing if you truly give it your time and attention. Um, And I'd love to hear from you, whoever tries it out. Tell me, talk to me on LinkedIn, talk to me on the website, where, wherever you find me. Cause I, um, I never tire of hearing about how this simple, but powerful exercise has impacted you.
0: Yeah. Love that. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to be a true explainer and use my five for, for fact. Please do. So, what we, yes. so what we, so suggested so the, the cliff notes version of what we talked about today. I've never done this before, but I'm just going to do it. Cause I'm in the, I'm in the Colby mode. Um, so Give in the beginning bit. we talked about Emily's success formula, right? So we got our passion skills and talents. Uh, And talents is really where the Colby allows us to shine. And then we talked about how Colby highlights a part of the brain or a part of the mind that we don't normally talk about, which is the cognitive component of things of what is our instinctual way of actually doing things. And then we talked about the Colby action modes, fact finder, follow through, quick start and implementer, what those mean, and then what it potentially looks like once you have a score spit out to you, how do you actually use that? We gave two different examples of that. And then. Lastly, we just had about like, how do you actually take that and translate it into something? What is your how? Draw a line. What is your why? Draw a line. What do you know better than everyone else? And how can you create that intersection? So there's the, the, the high level recap, the explanation part of me right now, if you want, <laughs> if, just for some spaced repetition, anything else that we, that we need to add on top of that, Emily, I know we're, we're going a little bit over here, but uh, this has been so much fun. So anything I, I, we should have added?
1: you did a perfect job explaining for your MO. So thank you for that. It's awesome. This has been a terrific conversation. And again, I can't wait to hear from everybody about how it's impacted them personally.
0: Yeah, for sure. So I will, I will ask my final question Then we can find out where people can find out more about you, but as this fulfillment person that has spent so much time coaching all these people, maybe you've already answered this question throughout this interview, but what have you come to understand what happiness means for you?
1: Uh, you know what? That's, that's so funny. I, I have a friend who who kind of knows I have, I have a bit of a knee-jerk reaction to the word happiness. I'm not a big fan of that word happiness. I mean, of course I want it. I'm, I'm not going to be the semantics police, but <laughs> I, I, that said as being a initiating fact finder, I care a lot about the words we use and the definitions around them. Um, just like, I think success is a trap. I think happiness is a trap. Um, you know, I think we have these these expectations as to what that's supposed to be, or the longevity of it. And I think when we get there, it's not what we expected from it. Mm. So just as I'm a big fan of fulfillment over success, I'm a I'm a bigger fan of joy over happiness. Mm. And joy is deeper. Joy is long withstanding. Joy joy exists even when we're not in really so happy circumstances. Um, so my I guess my definition of happiness is sort of that momentary high of maybe an external something. Um, But joy is a deeper, sustainable sense of peace and contentment and alignment, regardless of what's happening in our external circumstances. And that's what Mm -hmm. I'm going for.
0: I love that. That's so beautiful. That's the problem I keep running into. It's like, Part of the reason why I named it Seven Figure Millennials is because I want to sell people what they want and give them what they need. The show is all about prioritizing mm-hmm. the important things. It's the the quote by Jim Rohn, become a millionaire, not for the million dollars, but for what it will make of you mm-hmm. to achieve it. So it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. it makes sense. And the same thing goes with happiness. Like people always say they want to be happy. But I think, you know, below that, you're right. Like there's the level of joy. There's, there's, there's more levels mm-hmm. than beyond happiness. So I appreciate you sharing that and being willing to be like, I don't actually like that word. I think so that was very... <laughs> very- Very awesome of you. I appreciate that. So uh, we already talked about going to emilymelius.com, M-E-L-I-O-U-S. Where can people find out more about the other stuff you got going besides that?
1: Yeah, well, definitely head there first because I think that's going to be, you know, there's tons of free resources on the website. You can grab their trainings, worksheets, all kinds of good stuff. I also have a group coaching program. If you want more long-going or long-term support on this, um, check that out. It's called The Fulfillment Factor. You can get that through the website. Please connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm on there every single day, um, a lot of times of the day, I post tons of content, advice around all the things we talked about today. Also, put out freebies and worksheets and downloads and stuff there. Um, if you are a business owner and you're interested in applying these concepts that we talked about today to create a more fulfilling workplace and really get the people in your organization, um, I know it's kind of an overused analogy at this point, but you know, on on the bus and on the right seats on the bus, then you can check out my consulting company site, which is Launch Consulting dot io launchconsulting.io but honestly all roads read all roads lead back to me so any one of those work and um you know just just connect up i'd love to hear your story and then we can go from there and figure out you know your best next steps
0: love that and i just want to say for anybody listening if you are brand new i want to give you a hug and say welcome thanks for mm-hmm. hanging out and part of our me and Emily's three hour jam session today. (laughs) And as you can tell, I like to go super deep on these interviews. So I'm so glad that you decided to join me and Emily today to see how deep we really go. Uh, If you're returning, welcome back. You're absolutely what makes this possible. I just wanna give you a hug as well and thank you. And whether you're new or returning, 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 that's not a a word. (laughs) Whether you're new or returning, uh, I have a favor to ask you. And that is if you have been impacted by Emily's message today about learning how to use the fulfillment formula or understanding how you instinctually do things and how we can get greater in alignment with that. My life has absolutely been changed by podcasts that have been shared with me. So if you've been listening to this and you're like, man, my friend could really use this. They're a business person that is not as happy and they need to uh, do that chiropractic adjustment to get more alignment. Click that tap, tap that share button and share it because you can absolutely change their life with Emily's message. Not only will it help Emily, it'll help us get spread the more of the message and it'll make you look pretty cool too, because your friend will really enjoy the episode. Um, so with all that said, thank you so much for hanging out, Emily. This has been a blast and um, yeah, go check out the other podcast that I'm going to do with Emily immediately after this that hasn't been recorded at this time of the recording. And that's that that's the uh, Mothers of Misfits podcast, which you can find out a little bit more about that. We didn't talk about that, but uh, we talked about our childhood in the very beginning about, yeah. so I'll, you can find out how much of a misfit I was growing up.
1: <laughs> exactly. If you want to know the real backstory to bring It'll in, be- exactly. <laughs> that's, that's a passion project of mine. And it's all about how to advocate for our kids in a one size fits all world. Because as we spent this whole time talking, there just is no one size fits all. But unfortunately, we often tell, sometimes feel pressure that there is. So head on over there. Catch that episode too to to get the real story behind. The real story.
0: (laughs) The dark side exactly. Awesome. Well thanks so much, Emily. This has been awesome and we'll talk to you in just a second here. Hey, it's Brandon here again, and I have a quick favor to ask before you head off, and that is if you are listening to my voice right now and you are currently using either Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it would help me a ton if you could stop what you're doing, take five seconds to tap the number of stars that you think the show deserves. So if you're on Spotify, there's a place to add a star rating right underneath the name of the show. And if you're listening on Apple, just scroll down where you're seeing all the episodes and there's something that says tap to rate. Just tap the number of the stars that you think the show deserves. And you may not know this, but I typically spend over five hours of my own time each week